0: Welcome to Rethinking the News by the Christian Science Monitor. I'm Ashley Listonby, one of its producers. Each holiday season, editors and writers discuss some of the most meaningful stories of the year. This year, staff will discuss stories that exemplify five main themes. Faith, gratitude, love, hope, and joy. Today's theme is gratitude. Listen as audience engagement editor Dave Scott and writer Howard LaFranche discuss how Venezuelan refugee musicians in Buenos Aires gave back to their new home through the gift of music. In 2019, you went to Buenos Aires, Argentina, and you wrote about some of the many Venezuelan refugees who who now live there, and you focused on the Venezuelan musicians who play in the streets and in the subways of the city. How did you find this story?
1: Well, yeah, so um, when I went to Argentina, the story was not on my list, um but as I was moving around the city in the in the subway, I was f- running into musicians playing at a number of the subway stations, and uh I ended up speaking with one of the musicians and uh found out that he was uh from Venezuela and through speaking to more as they came upon them, found out that there was quite a, quite a number of uh, Venezuelan musicians, and they were performing in the, uh, in the Buenos Aires subway. And I had reported already on the refugee crisis of Venezuelans who have had to leave their country because of the economic crisis there. So w- speaking with, this, uh, with these musicians, I started thinking that maybe there was a story there, so I ended up spending a day with uh, with the musicians at uh, metro stops, and and it was through that day that I found out about Latin Vox Machine, which is a an orchestra that uh, mostly Venezuelan uh, musicians have started up in um, in Buenos Aires. And
0: during the holidays, people tend to
1: focus on on the value of giving, so. This monitor
0: story kind of highlights gratitude in a somewhat unconventional way. So, going in, did you think this would be a story about gratitude?
1: No, really, not at all. Um, I really saw it as kind of a you know an economic story and uh, um, refugees around the world. But as I, especially that that day that I spent in the subway with these musicians, and I and I really saw the kind of the two-way street of of gratitude people of Buenos Aires, they would stop and listen to these musicians. I spoke with a few of them, and so many of them said that they felt that this music was, was a gift coming to them. They, I, I remember in particular one woman who said that she got to the point where, where she, as she came home from her workday on the, on, the, on the subway, that she, she hoped that the musicians would be at her home. Uh, subway stop um, that they brought something really uplifting to the end of her day. And um, I had I had spoken with a number of the Venezuelan musicians um, about um, their sense of wanting to give back to, you know, the country that had uh, taken them in. But it was really the, when I started talking to the Argentines and their sense of of the gifts that these refugees were bringing them, and how grateful they were for that, that really got me thinking that in an unusual way, this was a story about gratitude.
0: Mm. I love the quote in the story you have by, from Omar Zambrano, who's the executive director of the Latin Vox Machine. He tells you that um, people here in Argentina have demonstrated so many of humanity's values toward us, like welcome and solidarity. And in return, we are giving back our music and our talents as a way of showing our gratitude. So why might Buenos Aires be an especially appreciative place for these high-caliber musicians and their unique expression of gratitude?
1: Yeah, I think uh, there are a number of factors going on. First of all, Buenos Aires is long known as the the, the Paris of South America. Um, it's a very culturally rich city. It has one of the world's great opera houses, a vibrant uh, theater scene. So what it uh, turned out individually the the venezuelan musicians didn't organize together to go there but one by one they were attracted to what they knew to be kind of an appreciation of the arts in buenos aires i think something else that really struck me was that when i did this story argentina was going through a very deep severe recession Um, unemployment was high um, newspapers full of articles about falling salaries, people not a- being able to uh, feed their families or keep their kids in school. Um, but yet, even in that atmosphere, these um, refugee musicians were able to um, make a living um, because they had come to a city that really placed a premium uh, and a value on, uh, on the arts and on music. So, Howard, this issue
0: of displacement and resettlement, it's not unique to Venezuela. We've seen refugees from the Middle East, Latin America, and Africa flee to more stable governments and economies. I mean, I wrote about a guy named Tariq Haddad, a Syrian refugee who arrived in Canada a few years ago. And when he he marveled, when he arrived at the airport, he said, no one called him a refugee. They called him a new Canadian. And so, in response to that, he, pro- he was prompted to wonder how to give back to his new country. His father had been a chocolatier in Syria. And so this guy, Mr. Haddad, started taking a few homemade chocolates to the farmer's market in Nova Scotia. And that ultimately blossomed into a, a chocolate factory, creating dozens of jobs in his adopted country. And he just recently, just a few weeks ago, officially became a Canadian citizen. But it's that desire to reciprocate, that that generous welcome that prompted Mr. Haddad to give back and I know that you have traveled around m- many places in the world. Have you seen that elsewhere besides Venezuela?
1: Well yes um, you know uh, David as you were right to point out I mean we are in the midst of you know what is called the the largest uh, refugee and displacement crisis since World War II. Um you know, UN experts speak of 60 million and more people around the world who are uh, displaced or you know refugees um who have been forced to leave their homes. And I know that uh, as I have traveled around the world, I've certainly um, seen examples of really this desire among refugees not to not to be a burden, um not to be seen as uh, as uh, sometimes they can be as uh, uh, threats to security or uh, a drain on resources but to be contributing to their new homes and, and and to show their appreciation for their new homes and I certainly saw this a um, number of years ago I was doing a story in um, in India this it was a, a young uh, Rohingya woman she was a refugee from Burma or Myanmar and uh, she had come to india and she was certainly uh, grateful for being received and the reason i was doing a story was she was the first rohingya refugee to be earning her college degree in in india but it was also a very difficult time in india for for muslims in general for for Indian Muslims, and certainly for immigrant or foreign Muslims in the country, as as this young woman, uh, being a Rohingya, uh, she was a Muslim, and um, so she was facing some of those same uh, difficulties that uh, other Muslims in in India were experiencing. But despite that, she she really was so grateful, really for. Um, what she was getting in India, um, this opportunity to complete her education. She uh, made a point of taking time out of her, her, her week, which was really focused on studying, but taking some time. And she volunteered for a social organization in her very poor neighborhood, but working with children. So I think like the Venezuelans who... Or giving of themselves in Argentina, this woman was expressing this same, same desire, I think, that we see so often of, of refugees who are enriching their homes in all kinds of ways. You know, research often shows that
0: most of the common misperceptions about immigrants or refugees are just wrong. You know, study after study shows immigrants are more entrepreneurial than the native residents. They rely less on government assistance than native-born residents, and there's less violent crime in communities with large immigrant groups, even among those that are unauthorized immigrant populations. So I think it's probably worth remembering, especially in the U.S., as, as more Afghan refugees are now arriving here. Um that what you've seen in Latin America, especially in Argentina, that there's a genuine recognition of what refugees can bring to enrich a nation. You've been talking about how um, that Rohingya woman enriched India. And on the other side, you've got a genuine and natural desire on the part of refugees to express gratitude for their new or even temporary home by, by giving back, whether that's music or chocolate or helping children with their schoolwork. Well, Howard, in this season of gratitude and giving, uh, I'm an avid fan of your work, and I thank you for for your reporting and and for this conversation. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, share it with your friends. Or even better, give them the gift of monitor journalism. Visit csmonitor.com forward slash holiday for our discounted holiday offer. This podcast is produced by the Christian
1: Science Monitor. Copyright 2021.